You're listening to Inside Content, the TV industry podcast. This show is brought to you by Three Vision, a global TV industry consultancy specializing in content acquisition, strategy, research, and business development. Each episode, we give you VIP access to the views and experiences of senior TV executives and discuss the latest TV industry trends and insights. This week on the podcast, I talked to our EVP, Jack Davison, about the latest results that come out of our 2022 trend survey covering topics such as SVOD growth, AVOD growth, and what's happening in movies and windowing. I think that's the thorny issue now, is that the reason why these global streamers um, want high-value original local content um, is because they really want to make an impact with it in the market where they're looking to grow, and, and they're going to want the premiere for that. Um, so it's even it's a it's a bit too much of a compromise. I mean, yes, there's a lot of value, especially as some of this stuff is travelling into other markets really well. Even in the US, I think HBO on their linear channel had an uh, Israeli show on their linear channel in North America. I mean, that's that's kind of unheard of to have a subtitled show on, on kind of linear HBO in the US. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside Content. My name is Jack Thomas, a manager at Free Vision, and I'm joined by our other Jack, Jack Davison, EVP. Hi, Jack. How are you doing? I'm good, Jack. I'm good. I'm, I'm sorry I'm not with you in person, but it's nice to be on this together. Yes, yes. It's, it's nice to be have a sort of full free vision podcast for a change. We get some fantastic guests, but it's nice to take it a little in-house, even if we're in separate houses. Probably for the best that we do that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that will hopefully make this podcast age like fine wine. But in any case, we're joining once again for this time of year for our annual TV industry trend survey, which we've been doing for several years now. I think prior my time at Free Vision, we've been doing this and we've had the biggest response ever this time for our 2022 survey, as each year in our industry seems to be trying to top the last as far as trends and disruption go. But here we are coming in sort of onto the precipice of 2022 with our network of TV executives giving us their thoughts on what they think might be happening. And so there's a big report that you'll be able to, uh, all of you listening to this, download and have a read and see what those results of the industry trends were and some of the other trends that we're seeing in the industry that match up with those opinions. But today, me and Jack are just going to talk through some of these sort of most interesting responses we've seen and sort of see how that does uh, sort of line up with what else we're seeing in the industry. So without further ado, sort of our first question was concerning which markets we could be seen to sort of have the most gro- potential growth in 2022. And pretty far ahead, a lot of people sort of choice, both in terms of like who sort of put it up number one as sort of their highest area for growth. But also, even if they didn't put it number one, it tended to get quite high was Asia. So what makes you think Asia is sort of getting all this hype, Jack? I don't know. I mean, it's great to see. And actually, I look back at the previous um, couple of years and Asia's actually come out top every year. So there's obviously been some sort of long running optimism there. I guess at its simplest, it has an amazing amount of potential for growth through its sheer size and all the various infrastructure KPIs and, and the size of the market. It's interesting to me because when I talk to well distributors in the market that would cover off both the US and UK I think kind of we've we've seen quite a few years of that 
kind of the pan-Asian market, in particular the pan-Asian pay TV, doing really badly. And there's certainly no optimism there. So the optimism, I, I believe, is coming through kind of some individual market strengths, these various stakeholders building kind of obviously building relationships and finding deals and doing deals with markets such as I know Japan has is, is been strong, kind of even South Korea. Um, of course, I mean, this will encompass Australia as well and, and, and that market, which has seen a, seen a very good year. So I think it seems to be through kind of individual markets rather than anything pan-regional, which may be a little bit of a kind of turnaround from over the years. So, yeah, we'll have to see, but it is pretty consistent. And even, even the other markets, looking back, following are the same with, with kind of not a huge amount of optimism on the, the LATAM and the, and the MENA markets. Hmm. And I guess in certain levels, they've just sort of been slightly behind in some areas in just sort of the simple things that we people in the west might take for granted now like disney plus that only really came in 2021 for a lot of markets in asia it came to places like singapore in february and korea in november apple tv plus again only came out in november last year and markets like korea they sort of celebrated that launch with their own korean apple original which they did push quite far outside of korea as well you know hopefully maybe jumping on that squid game hype train obviously that you know that could potentially be a factor in here as well people potentially excited for the sort of prospect of what you know that massive splash that that show made and what that sort of could mean for the whole region as a whole in terms of production when you're also seeing disney plus announcing 18 asia pacific disney plus originals coming out very soon for disney plus across that market and obviously worldwide as well yeah, we, we. I guess the other thing we have to remember that kind of the cross section of our respondents is quite broad, uh, which is really fantastic. And we've got people who are maybe thinking a little bit more on terms of the kind of scripted format side, or maybe the co-pro side, not just kind of content sales or the success of services. But as you as you say, there's there's quite a few dynamics there. You're right. US global streamers have been behind the curve in terms of kind of rollout in in the Asia market. Well, there's actually been a lot of strength in Asia, a lot of growth in Asia, but outside of Netflix, a lot of that's underpinned by local content and the services like uh, like VU and others who essentially have Southeast Asian content strengths. And and I know there's there's more scripted formats. I know kind of kind of numerous UK and US players have had some some luck in in Korea and other markets. And yeah, Korea seems to be sort of right at the top of the cultural zeitgeist at the moment, thanks to Squid Game. But even before Squid Game, there's a lot going on there. And Korean content has seen kind of huge popularity. So, yeah, I think that's all reflected in the, in these responses. Absolutely. So to sort of pin it down slightly a bit more, as we sort of said, it could be fairly broad cross-section. We were talking about drama production as well. You know, we saw COVID-19 sort of put a, a quite a big wrench in a lot of productions and obviously we're starting to get a bit back more to normal now whether that's through things uh, the pandemic lifting and being much easier to get some of it plus also production companies adapting their techniques and being able to produce shows through a pandemic as we've seen many sort of high profile productions now manage to sort of find their way to do so safely so the inevitable question is what comes next and we asked our respondents what they, you know, likely be seeing in terms of production uh, coming out of the pandemic. So is it, is it uh, you know, this massive sort of levels that we're seeing now and this sort of COVID bounce back, is that peaked? Is it going to go down? Is it going to sort of go back to normal in the pre-COVID years or is it going to keep going up? And it seems like most people seem to think it's going to sort of continue to grow. We're not quite at the peak. What do you think the sort of driving force behind that potentially is, Jack? 
Yeah, the easy answer to that is kind of SVOD. And although it's a bit flippant when I say it, I, I think essentially that underpins the huge amount of kind of competition kind of kind of the intensity kind of in that competition is just amazing uh, uh, and the pressure is intense so the requirements for content for the streamers lots of original content although some of that original content is just kind of money that used to be spent in broadcast and is now spent in digital and SVOD I think kind of behind it uh, behind it, all that investment in content and and in infrastructure, which is sort of not an exciting thing, kind of for, for some of us, the sort of sort of buildings and bricks and mortar. But but there's money being spent there, so it absolutely didn't surprise me that again, kind of three years in a row, kind of the bondants are, are saying, kind of yeah, production levels are going to rise, and this I kind of I don't imagine it's going to slow. And and I know the data from that from I mean, there's a few people who publish it, whether it be FX or variety i mean they they show that they showed that dip in the pandemic year but quite frankly it wasn't um as, as much of a dip as kind of you imagine i think people showed great resilience to to be able to kind of finish shows and um i think in certain markets sort of um the regulators and and the, the government's got involved in help but yeah that's up again so yep i i, I don't see it slowing that's for sure yeah, it's nice to have some optimism. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. interesting you raise the, sort of, you know, those FX numbers. And yeah, we did see that sort of big bounce back. But as you say, like when we sort of took a look at those numbers and under the lens of our product show tracker, that sort of looks specifically at scripted and where that goes and where it comes from, we saw that broadcast commissions sort of are going down and have been sort of going down for a while. And obviously there's a, there was a small level of bounce back from the sort of, sort of quite cataclysmic effect of COVID on sort of broadcast commissions when we talk about brand new stuff coming out. But obviously SVODs continue to grow. And so like, and definitely at rates that sort of suggest, you know, those broadcast commissions are going down because a lot of those networks and cable channels that commission these shows are owned by people who also have SVOD services that they're diverting that resource to. But also it's not just sort of that gap of broadcast that's coming in from SVOD. There is sort of that and then some at present as they sort of this kind of, arms race or volume uh, for scripted content sort of coming through into and getting really into a sort of pace where they're starting to actually challenge Netflix in terms of how many originals they're putting out. To that end, we, you know, we were talking as well about like what sort of global streamer, what who have the best prospects at present. And again, sort of when you take a sort of look at the weighting and, you know, majority of people, uh, over a third of people said, you know, Disney Plus, they ranked that number one as far as it's sort of global prospects you know it's definitely sort of been done quite well it's one of those ones that seems to be a sort of pandemic success story coming out at the right time in Europe for a lot of people to sort of uh, who might have to be sitting uh, sitting at home twiddling their thumbs kind of the opposite story to Quibi uh, and who had its launch around the same time and everyone's already forgotten but uh, I guess Jack what makes you think that Disney is seen as sort of the number one for prospects and not Netflix? Is it just because it's a bit more of the new boy on the block? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think there's a few things maybe that I think are behind that. Um, and, and they did clearly kind of stand out. I think kind of after them, sort of Netflix, Amazon Prime and HBO were pr pretty close to each other. And then another step down below them, kind of Apple and Paramount and Discovery were kind of lower down. But I, I think with Disney, I mean, Last year, they rolled out in more markets. They hit more markets than HBO by a long way. And th there's certainly a clear sense that 
kind of Disney are all in on this. I mean, they're not they're not messing around. They're not still sort of managing. Um, we're not really still managing some output deals, kind of sort of compromising in a few markets and kind of still actively selling a bit of content kind of here and there, which Warner Media are and 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 others are, and Warner Media in particular, we're still with our HBO output deals. I think there's a kind of maybe a realization that HBO is okay, it does stand for a lot of great things. Um, kind of kind of um quality TV, lots of other things I could probably go into, but but doesn't necessarily make it a mass market proposition in a lot of global markets. So I think maybe the IP, maybe the brand, maybe the fact that they're they are um they they are kind of omnipresent and really in, in kind of investing big time in this and fully focused. Um, maybe that's what takes them into the lead. Yeah, I mean, we've also started to see on a certain level, just on, you know, general metrics and taking the lead over Netflix in certain ways, our recent show tracker analysis we did, looking at that full season, we, you know, saw that when you take the the Disney titles, the Disney Plus titles, and you take the Hulu titles distributed by Disney, which for most people outside the US, Disney Plus has its star add-on, which is taking virtually all the Hulu titles and a lot of ABC broadcast titles and branding them as Disney Plus star originals. You add them all together, you're seeing more Disney Plus originals coming to those international markets in the full season just gone than Netflix originals or Netflix English originals, we'll make sure to say. Uh, so they're definitely sort of on a in an international stage because they're able to leverage all of their content that Disney has to offer, whether it's for Hulu, whether it's for ABC, whether it's for Freeform, and obviously whether it's for Disney Plus, all on one platform for everyone outside the US which is definitely sort of being, getting them to a position where they are actually starting to challenge Netflix in terms of those sort of brand new shows coming out for people, uh, as well as obviously, you know, the wealth of library that's in there. Yeah, I think um, they've, got to be, they've got to be working hard to think how can we enter that kind of, well, I'm not sure whether general entertainment is the right word, but well, the space that isn't occupied by um, Marvel, Star Wars and and all of those great kind of Disney brands. Like, how can we occupy the rest? And yeah, it looks like kind of all Hulu content now is pipelining through to Disney Plus around, around the world. So um, that that's going to help them along with the FX deals that are coming their way. Um, so, yeah, but they're, they're still going to have to, um, I think as you, we can see from the kind of ups and downs of Netflix and others, kind of the the, the requirements for content are for quite phenomenal. Absolutely. And you see that they've sort of been taking a kind of slightly local approach in some of those markets that they've been launching in more recently, like Korea, there's new shows that sort of in everywhere else uh, sort of that would in you know, those Hulu titles, some of the latest Hulu titles, not coming to Korea yet. Largely, what we understand, what we uh, understand is that because it will sort of make the service seem fresher to hold back a little bit more and let those come out at a sort of later pace. Because obviously, that's launching in November with two seasons of Mandalorian and a Boba Fett coming and all sorts else on the Disney Plus side already there it's worth waiting a little bit longer to sort of roll out some of that later Hulu stuff later rather than making it feel like this stagnant, you know, populated but stagnant service. And so by adopting that sort of different strategy in different places, we can see that they're sort of willing to think about it on a market by market terms and how they keep it fresh. And to that end as well, we, you know, with that announcement of Disney Plus having 18 plus Asia originals coming out lines up with uh, the answer to our next question when we're sort of talking about you know a lot of eight you know 81 percent of our participants 
global streamings are, are becoming more and more attractive co-production partners for local players. And obviously that's another potential route for uh, local content to sort of come onto the service is sort of through co-productions. It's obviously not strictly just uh, in Asia as well. We've seen a huge amount of this with UK in the past as well with Show Tracker, with a lot of, uh, it's a fantastic route for a lot of uh, British broadcasters here to get a lot more money in their dramas if they sort of cooperate with what might have been in the past, been a Netflix and Amazon, but now increasingly an HBO Max or a Peacock. Do you think it's the driving thing about people sort of seeing this more as a more attractive proposition, Jack? You kind of go where the money is, don't you? I mean, local content is is important to everybody. Silly to say it really, that's been true for many, many years, but it's just getting increasingly true and local content with much higher budgets than they used to have um, where and not just in in the UK here where I think that's been even more kind of uh, uh, the case Um, so so how do you put a project together how do you put it in the old days you put a project together by kind of finding your your one commissioner in the market maybe getting a bit of tax credit and then maybe maybe a few pre-sales after that in the key markets and have a little bit of a deficit and then subsequently make up from international sales that i'm not talking about the u.s market but classic kind of european and but now those deficits are much bigger and and so to line to, to plug those deficits you need you need people with pockets and and the streamers have have got that money and and in some to some extent i mean they have been in the past willing to sort of Give up the first window in in the home market. Um, take first window everywhere else. So so what's that's not really a problem for, for the local player. I think that's the thorny issue now. Is that the reason why these global streamers um, want high value original local content? Um, is because they really want to make an impact with it in the market where they're looking to grow, and and they're going to want the premiere for that. Um, so it's even it's a it's a bit too much of a compromise. I mean, yes, there's a lot of value, especially as some of this stuff is travelling into other markets really well, not just Korean stuff going around the world, but even in the US, I think HBO on their linear channel had a uh, Israeli show on their linear channel in North America. I mean, that's, that's kind of unheard of to have a subtitled show on, on kind of linear HBO in the U S but so there is those opportunities, but the only thing that would, um, I mean, I guess our question was about kind of how attractive are they they as co-production partners? Um, Yes, very attractive, but I've kind of addition to that is kind of, are there, are there going to be, tougher issues around here i think i think there might be because i think that that first window premiere uh, uh, is going to be more important to them yeah i mean it's clearly to everyone else and you know to, to tack on another question very quickly is clearly uh you know co-production or not uh, a lot of people um over half said that the sort of top most important development area for SVOD services is local content so whether that's through sort of working with local broadcasters or any other sort of co-production partner on it um, or, or doing it and, you know, taking as much in-house as you sort of can in these sort of situations. It's definitely a sort of thing that seems like the next step for a lot of SVOD. Clearly something that you know, Netflix has had a hand in for quite a while, producing more local content, local foreign language shows than English language shows for a very long time. Um, but as we've seen these studio SVOD sort of catching up to Netflix and the English side of things, chances are with the Getting to get quite close to catching them up on the foreign side as well, as we see you know, more and more enter the space. And obviously, you talked about HBO linear in in the US. Obviously, HBO in Asia has 
been long producing Asian originals or even sort of prior to kind of this sort of big SVOD game sort of coming forward. So they've got a sort of existing stake in this and we're seeing HBO making Nordic originals and Spanish originals as well. So that sort of come through onto its services in the US, uh, you know, and feature fairly prominently because as far as they're concerned, they are HBO originals. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, um, the Asia point stands true for, for Europe and HBO Central and Eastern Europe were, were doing their own productions long before SVOD came along. So, so um, kind of it's it's just the magnitude and um, and the importance of them. But yes, I mean, kind of we we a lot of a lot of our respondents said how important it was. It was the lead one in a in a kind of in our category there. Right? It was interesting that kind of what I would call the more advanced technical features are right down the bottom of the scale. So kind of not, not such a positive response to sort of 4K and, and enhanced audio and those kind of things. Maybe a bit more boring for some of the, the content people answering the questions, but, but um, and then the higher ones were kind of local content. And, and I think it was not insignificant that kind of, kind of AI kind of uh, machine driven recommendations kind of came out high because I think kind of the other thing going on as well as you needing lots of great content and local content is you need to make it work for people and make people be able to find it and discover content because kind of no one has even no one's cracked that i know netflix does a great job but to be frank a lot a lot of the services are still kind of got a long way to go um, in terms of making that work for people well i'm going to take us on a slight shift we've been talking a lot about svod but i think it's now time to talk about avod so we you know ask people about of the different sort of types of AVOD around, and there are quite a few, and we sort of put them into three categories here as to what was the strongest for 2022. So that included things like BVOD, so broadcast video on demand. So in some ways, maybe uh, sort of some of the er- earliest I- I forms of AVOD, depending on how you choose to look at it. So that would be something like your All4 in the UK or ITV Hub, your SBS on demand in Australia, your RTL Plus in Germany, that kind of, these uh, sort of digital adjacent catch-up services, which had increasingly for a fair amount of time been acquiring content, both sort of current and library and putting it on their services as digital exclusives and doing a lot to launch themselves sort of as a digital platform and not just a sort of simple catch-up service. Fast channels, free ad-supported television, as we've sort of seen essentially digital linear channels hosted in a sort of big fast AVOD platform where sort of people can license a lot of, again, library content as well as some current stuff here and there onto these services for sort of a kind of easy, quick linear experience with sort of limited tech and setup fees. And then these, what we call the AVOD specialists. So your Pluto, your Tubi, your Samsung TV Plus, your Roku, your people who might be hosting these fast channels, but also hosting sort of AVOD exclusive content themselves and it's these sort of slightly newer comers in some ways that are the ones that seem to have them being ranked by a lot of people as the best strongest opportunities for 2022 and you know we're starting to see a little bit in our data for certain things like show tracker how this is changing we're seeing more of these AVOD specialists acquiring brand new shows and even some of them acquiring sort of brand new sort of relatively new movies whereas BVOD is sort of seems to be retracting a little bit from its kind of digital exclusive um, space. Obviously, you know, anything that goes on linear is going on these BVOD services as well. So there is, you know, still value in there, but this seems to be less of a focus on those sort of digital only premieres. And so I guess what makes you think that uh, with these AVOD specialists are sort of leading the conversation, Jack, at this time? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm always these surveys that people are so kind to fill in for us are often 
not not perfect in getting to the bottom of some of the issues and and i think kind of the categorization and the divisions amongst kind of the different types of avod um is always a little bit kind of uh, unclear and i think not least the fact we don't really call out youtube and and, and facebook watch uh, kind of as well so i do kind of I, I do have a little concern about that i i think avod uh, i mean it's at the top of the hype curve, Avod, at the moment. I think I, I don't think it can get any higher. There are kind of question marks about how it's going to develop. Lots of people have jumped into do fast channels in the US, um, and lots of people have been doing more licensing on Avod. Our, our general kind of feedback is that in selected markets, that's been getting a much better proposition for for the people in the market kind of distributing selling content owners that sort of thing that they've been getting better deals out of it kind of what was a older more revenue share based model is is delivering a bit better it's obviously been doing that in the US for a while but it's do, doing it elsewhere and i think that's reflected in kind of the avod specialist being up high i think that may, maybe the reason why it's ahead of fast is the fast model is is a tough one. There's quite a bit of operational cost there. The margins aren't great, so I think that maybe rein in the the kind of that score, the the respondent score on that. Maybe maybe that they kind of that, that these people who are doing it appreciate that kind of you do have to kind of put a lot into it. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a very exciting sort of, but obviously quite complicated market. And as like you say, a lot of hype about it. It's interesting seeing all the various different approaches to fast, whether that's you know. It's all, a entire channel devoted to one show or sort of a genre thing or something attached to channels you know we've had respondents talk about that but I guess you know we've had a lot of questions sort of coming through this and I thought I'd take one more giant leap jack into a different area before we sort of close out this podcast and obviously for all of this information and all the specific nitty-gritty details that you, people can read the accompanying report to this podcast to see all the latest things happening I thought I'd jump to movies so it's obviously seen a lot of reaction to uh, you know, COVID in you know what was originally quite a sort of simple route for movies in a lot a lot of the time and you know something would come out of the, at the cinema then like clockwork come out on TV a bit later then like clockwork come out on physical then like clockwork come to first pay then go on to maybe SVOD and then potentially free TV down the line you know relatively simple quite easy uh, sort of route for a lot of movies but now between you know COVID suddenly sh- shutting all the theatres and studios having to adapt to try and sort of maximise value, whether that was delaying movies. Obviously, you know, it's hard to believe that James Bond was supposed to come out when it originally was, and you had the Bond the Bond theme for that film coming out for over a year before the film actually did. Or people like Disney Plus launching its premiere axis, so it could put stuff out sort of alongside a cinematic release for those who didn't weren't comfortable going. You know, when coming onto another side of that with HBO, you know, HBO Max sort of continuously for now putting out its movies sort of day and date on HBO Max with their sort of cinema release. Big question is, you know, how much of this kind of change will last how much might we snap back to the status quo and what will happen going forward and it seems like when we look at our sort of data uh, from this survey a lot of people think we you know we're not going to go necessarily back to normal uh, and we you know to see more of this kind of behavior a lot of people think that 
Um, there'll be much shorter theatrical windows at the theatre and they'll be available in other areas quite soon afterwards. A lot of them think there'll be, you know, a PVOD window pretty soon after theatrical. And some people think, you know, there'll, there'll be more of that kind of situation that we're seeing with HBO Max with more movies being released on SVOD direct to consumer at the same time as theatres. You know, all those three points, you know, over 50% of our respondents agreed with all of those points and three quarters of them think that we're going to get shorter theatrical windows. So, so you know, this seems like an inevitable change. Are we, is there any chance of us going back to the old status quo, Jack, do you think? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, actually, I kind of I looked into these numbers but when we looked at the survey just to look it down, and I kind of I think it reflects exactly what I think the the kind of the, the both the positives and the negatives. I think we've we've had unbelievable kind of times, and all of the things that went on during that kind of first pandemic year led to kind of some very interesting things. Things going going straight to SVOD. I think. I think kind of HBO Max would have nowhere near the numbers they have today if they hadn't pumped all of their theatrical product through the HBO Max service in the US. But I think that isn't going to happen forever. Um, I, I think theatres are not going to disappear. They're still going to be there. They're still going to be kind of people are still going to be going to see great movies. And I think I think even before the pandemic, there's there's an argument that the type of films that were getting released at the theatres and getting kind of more screens at the theatre was narrowing and kind of there's more about big blockbuster releases and and I and also I think the window who is the windowing was definitely kind of crunching a little bit over the years, but very slowly. And I think like many things, the pandemic has put a firecracker underneath that and kind of disrupted it and sped it up in places. And and I think more movies are probably likely not to get a digital release and i think we'll see more movies either either going either either netflix getting hold of or all the studios kind of premiering on their service um but not all of them i think some of them will, will, will stay on the theaters definitely have shorter windows i think pretty much all of them have have, have settled on the 45 day uh window post theatrical in the us i think uh and um and I think we'll just see kind of the change. I think there's a there's, there's quite a lot of implications for that. I mean, already kind of the implications on pay TV are, are, are kind of not great because they've always been the home of the premium movie services. They've always been a, a premium service for them to sell. So kind of taking those away from them is a potentially a bit of an ARPU killer um, for them. And and they lose their, they've already lost their grip in some markets and even more will lose them. So so I think we'll see we'll see more change. I mean it's not totally settled, but definitely shorter windows, definitely some available on the SVOD services first and, and early. And and they're probably a really kind of complicated mixture of things in that whole world around kind of dvd est releasing premium vod releasing and things same time as theaters i think well there's a little bit more kind of uh, ground to cover on that one before we get to anything that could possibly be called a steady state well it's nice to know that in even in covid xr there's plenty of movies to be able to watch from home in <laughs> this new world <laughs> Jack, thanks for joining me today. Obviously, those who've been listening, as I've said before, we've got a uh, fantastic report that will, uh, is coming out alongside the results of these trend surveys that you can leaf through and see specifically how everyone answered. If you did respond to the report, thank you very much. And you should already have got a link to it to download it and have a look through. And obviously, do reach out to us about uh, any of the information you can't find in there if you have any questions or if you're seeing some of this disruption and some of these 
opinions starting to form about the year and you're wondering how you might be able to navigate it we obviously are here to help and we can absolutely sort of help guide you through the sort of new changes that 2022 is likely to bring but until next time on inside content uh, i've been jack thomas nice to uh, speak to you and nice to see you jack davison likewise thanks a lot and thanks to all the respondents we really kind of uh, appreciate your feedback Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside Content from 3Vision. You can always reach out to us at 3vision.tv if you want to learn more. Or if you're a business with ambition in the content world, our consultancy services can help. With decades of combined experience, we know the ins and outs of the industry like nobody else. Catch us next time on Inside Content.